companies that that are still spending a lot on print media or billboards are still doing those those things but sometimes they're missing on the awareness stage they're missing the fact that if you if you blog consistently if you're on social media that um, you're you're gathering eyeballs in a different medium because generationally people have changed Buyer behavior isn't the same, and the old sales funnel is no longer relevant. So Square 2 Marketing is smashing the funnel and encouraging businesses to think differently about their approach to marketing, sales, customer service, and revenue generation. Join us for season one of Smash the Funnel, the podcast. With our amazing lineup of industry experts, we'll introduce you to the new cyclonic buyer journey, and we'll provide insights and tips on how to optimize your business's approach to sales and marketing. And now for your host, Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist at Square2 Marketing. Hey, I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist of Square2 Marketing, and welcome to Smash the Funnel, the podcast, episode three, a better understanding of how to get a prospect's attention when they're in the awareness stage. We're going to talk all about the awareness stage today. And my guest is Franco Valentino, CEO of Narrative SEO. And this is, as I said, episode three. So in our last episode, we talked to Sangram Vajre, co-founder of Terminus. And we had a great conversation about the pre-awareness stage. So that stage where people aren't even looking for you yet and what we need to do from a marketing perspective to engage those people who probably need you but don't know you exist and how important it is to be proactive when targeting prospects uh, in that stage and how disruption is really a key to getting their attention. So that was a great um, episode too if you want to go back and listen or you didn't get a chance to listen. Today we're going to talk to Franco um, about SEO specifically but more specifically about the awareness stage and how search has changed so dramatically <clears throat> even over the last couple of weeks, the last couple months. So in our opinion this is a must listen episode. Franco, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Mike, thank you so much for having me. Really, really appreciate the time. No problem at all. Again, thank you. So, Franco, I'd like to ask all of our guests to uh, just give us a little bit of information about them, your background, how you ended up doing this, you know, who actually decides to make SEO their, their career. Like, give us a little bit of your backstory there. Sure, sure. So um, I've been in the IT world for about 24 years. Um, I was started out as a C++ programmer, a systems programmer at a bank. Uh, so no, you I, poor, you poor man. <laughs> yeah, I've I've, uh, I've got enough gray hair to to be old enough to remember mainframes. So uh, it was a lot of fun back in the day. Uh, did a lot of coding, and then uh, when the internet really was nascent uh, back in the late '90s, um, sort of saw the the merging of of marketing and sales technology with. Uh, with the internet uh, technologies and and thought that was a really, really interesting field. So I went into web development and web coding and web design. And then as a natural progression, when uh, when everybody was black hatting Google, we figured out, all right, hey, this might be something that uh, that would be valuable to companies from a, from a white hat perspective, if, if done correctly. And um, I, I worked as, um, after that, I worked at IBM for a number of years as a program manager. And I ended up starting my own firm back in 2006 and been doing this ever since. Excellent. That's great. So you obviously know what you're talking about. So I like to start at a macro level. I, I feel like the, the, the world is really changing so dramatically and marketing specifically, but sales and even customer services is, is, is changing so dramatically. And it's really hard for people to keep up. So 
Can you tell me at a macro level, what, what do you see that's going on that's affecting um, our buyer's journey uh, and sales and marketing and revenue generation in general? Like what are some of the big kind of changes that you see that, that that's making it more challenging for us? Sure. So, um, so we need to, I think from a macro level, we need to think about how, how marketing and sales has changed generally since, you know, the, in, in the 10 years that, you know, online has been a, a major factor because uh, traditional marketing, which a lot of organizations are still doing to this day, um, isn't working as well as the online marketing, right? So, so from, a, from a, just a very, very high level companies that, that are still spending a lot on print media or billboards are still doing those, those things. But sometimes they're missing on the awareness stage. They're missing the fact that if you, if you blog consistently, if you're on social media, that um, you're, you're gathering eyeballs in a different medium because generationally people have changed, right? So from the, from the persona standpoint, which I know this doesn't sound like technical SEO, but it actually is, you need to understand your users first. And you know, that's, a, that's a content marketing tenet. Second, so that always is the, the, the very first thing. You need to understand your, what your users are looking for and then deliver it pretty much everywhere. Your website is always, it, a website is a necessity these days, right? It's, not, it's just not optional anymore. And as long as you can do a better job of answering the user's question when they go to Google, there, Google is, last time I looked, 94 to 96% of all B2B traffic um, starts at Google. You need to make it relevant, but then you need to make sure that your website is speaking Google's language because Google is a machine, right? Technically, it's an API that you need to know how to plug the buttons into. So your website has to speak to it a certain way. If you're not doing both sides of that, then you're missing an opportunity for sales and marketing. Hmm, that's really good advice. So I have to pay you a compliment. I mean, I talk to a lot of people in the SEO field and you're by far one of the smartest ex SEO experts I ever met. So I want the listeners to understand like th this is some really insightful knowledge that we're going to be dropping on you on you today. So Franco, help us understand what's changed because I mean, you and I were even talking this morning, like there have been some really big changes from Google's perspective over the past couple months, past couple weeks. So enlighten our listeners on, on what some of those are if they're not aware already. Sure, sure. So let, let's actually start with the, the basics that we see happening to everyone consistently that uh, incorrectly things that they you need to fix. Um, if, if you haven't fixed them already. The basics that we see that have problems are no one has turned on or to, to a certain degree is still lacking SSL. So if you don't have an SSL certificate for your website, um, Google Chrome browser is going to start flagging errors. It doesn't in certain instances already that your site's not secure. AdWords requires, requires SSL as well. So I just want to get that out of the way because we see that, we see the inconsistency there all the time. Make your site secure, make sure you don't have, uh, you don't have mixed content errors, serving unsecure content on a secure website. That's number one. Um, the second thing is the way that you build your, uh, your website whether you're using WordPress or HubSpot or, or a different content marketing platform, you have to make sure that you're able to tell Google what the pages of your website are. And, and there's something called a sitemap.xml file, which to technical SEOs is always the first thing we start looking for to make sure there's no inconsistencies there. And this is what we talk about, what we just talked about plugging into uh, Google and, and helping it understand our website better so it does a better job of advertising our website. So, so an SSL certificate and, and make sure that you have a sitemap for your website are, are critical. Then there's some other tweaks that you need to make to those sitemaps to make sure that you're presenting content that you want to present and not presenting content that doesn't need to be spidered in Google. So, so from a technical standpoint, that's the biggest issues that we see are the structural side of a website. 
the rest is more on page and you know there's a million seos out there that know how to do decent on page but but we see these problems happening all the time that they have inconsistencies with the robots text file their sitemap and then not a bad application of ssl got it and what about some of the adjustments that Google's made? Uh, talk to us a little bit about some of those changes that they've kind of dropped on us that we're now all trying to respond to. Sure. So um, mobile first index was, was the big one in April. Um, prior to April, the week of April 17th, actually, is when we saw the, the volatility happen. Google would use the desktop version of your site to rank, to give you keywords. And when you hear the word keyword density, there's a couple different meanings to that, right? Meaning the keywords that are attached to your domain name. So if you have yourdomain.com and you rank for, um, I don't know, blue Nike sneakers, for example, because you're an e-commerce site, then they would, Google would use the desktop version of your website. What happened in April was that they started using the mobile version of your website. So if you look at your website on a mobile phone, and that website isn't responsive or it looks bad on there, Google is smart enough to know that it looks bad on there. For example, if your menu is too small and like your, your you know, my giant thumb can't actually click on a button on a menu, it's going to hurt your keyword density, which means you're going to get less traffic. That's a massive change. Um, if you don't, if your website isn't responsive and meaning the meaning of responsive is you are, you have a, a well-designed mobile platform website, then you're going to take a keyword and traffic hit. The second part of that is coming up in, G in July, they're going to start using page speed as a rank factor for that mobile first indexing. Page speed has been a, a major factor for SEO for desktop for years. Now they're applying it to the change that they made in April. And that's going to be a huge problem for a lot of companies because the prettier you make a website for the most part, the slower it is. When you start throwing sliders on there and you start throwing a bunch of CTAs and different things that look good on the page, that adds a lot of code bloat. And when you do that, you slow down the page. It's more important to have a fast page and much more important to have a page that is relevant to the user's search term. So you're saying we don't, shouldn't be designing these highly visual, beautiful website pages anymore? You should from the desktop standpoint, but not on mobile. On mobile, it can still be beautiful as long as it's lightweight. Right. I mean, you can still if, if you get a good CSS, a good designer, they'll be able to do that and keep the code light. And that, I think that's the story right there. Mm -hmm. um, make sure that the user experience is is good. Keeping in mind that it has to be fast. Uh, fast is not an option anymore. Got it. Got it. OK, so we're in the awareness stage. People are kind of looking around for what we do and, and the way we describe the awareness stage. Uh, uh, in the book is you're not proactive when you're in the awareness stage. You're more kind of tuned into the messaging. So you may do some searches and you may kind of poke around a little bit and you may click around a little bit, but you know, that, that your pain isn't really uh, acute enough for you to be in an active and aggressive or, or proactive buyer stage yet. You're, 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 but you are open to the messages and you are open to the content and you are kind of basically the way we describe it is you're reactively looking around, right? Right. Um, this is where search comes in because, you know, if I'm, if I'm kind of casually looking, I might type in a couple of questions or I might type in a couple of keywords or I might type in a couple of phrases and, and, and see what comes up, you know, like, hey, I'm interested in getting smarter about this particular topic. 
you know, we've been talking um, internally about this particular issue we're dealing with. No one's asked me to do anything about it yet, but I think I should start looking around, you know, in case a couple weeks down the road, this becomes more urgent. I want to be smart about, you know, what my options are, right? Right. So they do a search. And like you said, we're going to do our best to come up in that search. But as a marketer, like what, you know, talk to me a little bit about content and how important that is. And talk to me a little bit about, you know, links on the page and the experience I'm trying to create for them and, and how that might impact a buyer in the awareness stage. Sure. So, so, and that's a great question because technical SEO is, is useless without good content. Uh, Google has said this themselves, the number one rank factor that you could ever do and prefer for people to find whatever it is that you're trying to target from a keyword standpoint is awesomeness. So, so from the technical SEO standpoint, we, we can't do our job until the content is relevant and we understand what the search intent is. And I think that's the point of your question. If your buyer persona is looking for a specific thing and, and they're just in the awareness stage, they know that they have a problem and they're looking for the right solution to that problem. There are tools out there and, you know, Keyword Planner, SEM Rush, you know, a bunch of different SEO tools that will let you look at what the trends for that particular topic are. Let's say that you build a piece of content that targets that, that answers that user's need. If you can do that a little bit better than your competition does, if you can do that a little bit better uh, from a page design standpoint, from a speed standpoint, all of the other things that we know that have to happen, from the awareness stage, you'll win in the SERP. You, and SERP meaning the search engine result position, which is the Google index. So I search for something, I get a list of results. That's called the SERP. So from the awareness standpoint, if you start thinking like your user and say, okay, what are the things that my user does during the day? Um, let's say I'm an engineer looking for a particular product. I'm looking for a, you know, a, a specific wire. Um, is there, you know, you as, as the marketer's job, is there a, a particular term that they would search for? Is there a, a gauge number to that wire that you could write, you know, the history of this gauge and become the go-to source for answers about that particular topic? So again, it has to, it has to do with relevancy and intent. Every, and there are different intents for different keywords because Google understands this as well and, and, and so do other search engines is, is the buyer looking to buy something right now? in which case an e-commerce site is going to be more relevant than your blog post. So if they're at the awareness stage for inbound marketing or they're at the awareness stage for, I don't know, buying an airplane, what are those other search terms that they're looking for and what is that answer that they need to find and can you answer that better than anyone else? It really starts there. Mm -hmm. Now you bring up an interesting point, which I don't think a lot of people really consider when it comes to search mm -hmm. and that is, performance versus your competitors, mm -hmm. right? Right. So is that, uh, is that an interesting perspective on this? So, so for instance, if, if look, the, most of these sites are pretty transparent. You can literally go in and see, you know, what keywords they're ranking for and, and how much traffic they're getting. And it might not be an exact science, but you could, you could see who you're competing again for, against for a phrase like demand generation, right? Absolutely. And can I literally go in and see how the other three agencies that are ranking above me, are, what they're doing to rank for, for demand generation? And then I can kind of like out maneuver them with some of the tactics you're talking about. Is, is that possible? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is actually one of the strategies that, that we as technical agencies use is to do uh, gap analysis, and meaning what are your competitors doing for demand generation? What are the pages that rank the best? And how can we do a better job? And there's actually a, a, a Brian Dean, uh, one of, a very bright SEO and, and sort of the, one of the thought leaders in our field from backlinko.com. Um, he, he has a, a technique called the skyscraper technique, and, and it's talking about exactly what you're saying. Um, he actually has a tactical plan for doing that from an SEO standpoint. Now, it, it works because the majority of people aren't doing this. So if, if you can outfox your competitors and, and do, do a better piece of content, having looked at their content and knowing that it ranks well, you, you build a bigger meaning. I can build a regular building or I can build a skyscraper, right? So your mm -hmm. content becomes the skyscraper in the skyline. Now, it, that, that term, it works very well, but it's also lacking something. You have to make sure that the relevancy is still there. Right. If, if you can do if if you have better resources on that page that talks about it and and it's a it can be a mistake to talk about ourselves too much as well. As long as you're providing value for the user and you're giving them the exact answer they're looking for and the page is rich, you can't do light content anymore. And by the way, this is a thing I, I work. I work a lot with content marketing agencies and content marketers. The old paradigm of produce content content. I need more content content content. That, that is a, there's a law of diminishing return with content. Once you're above a certain number of pages, um, you, you can actually hurt your website. So the better you can make your content from a quality standpoint, the better job that you can do versus your competitors, you will win. Um, and Google is smart enough to know that you're doing that because they're an AI now. They have rank brain hummingbird. It, it's machine learning is 100% in now. You can't scam Google anymore. It has to be the best. And so you have to look at Google from a, they are a person perspective. If they're reading it just like a human being would and they understand what their intent is, that's your goal from, a, from, a, from building that piece of content. Mm -hmm. So I have to deliver a really rich content experience. I have to help them and answer their questions. I have to build a page that's lightweight. And I have to make sure that I'm doing a better job than my competitors uh, in order to uh, continue to drive a, a, as much activity as possible for people who might be searching for me, right? That's it's a, never been as easy as that. You're not asking for much, are you? Exactly, right? Yeah. Right. Said, don't look at me. It's Google. Right. right. Don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Good. Okay. So I, I actually think that's helpful. And, you know, maybe it's like the beginning of a conversation, but I think it's it's helpful for our listeners to start to think a little differently about their websites and the content they produce on those websites, maybe the way those pages, um, you know, render in Google and, and the, 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 the speed and the, the, the weight of the page. I think we've given um, our listeners some nice things to think about from a tactical perspective. Um, on the podcast, we like to talk about metrics and technology too. So my next question is going to be, you know, wh what are the metrics we should be looking at? Um, uh, you know, uh, basically we get, uh, at least from the HubSpot perspective, we get a lot less insight into individual keyword rankings now. Mm -hmm. So tell, the, uh, tell me and the listeners, like what, what metrics should we be looking at to, to make sure we're, we're doing what we need to do to rise up in the rankings here? Sure. So, so first of all, you have to understand where you're going to gather your metrics from, right? Because, uh, you know, the keyword tool was, was deprecated in HubSpot and you need to find out where they're coming from. So there's there, and, and we, this is the very first thing we, we do before we gather metrics. We need to make sure that Google analytics is turned on for your account. If you don't have it, go turn it on now and make sure that the site prefix is correct because HTTP and HTTPS are considered two different sites. So your stats will not be the same. So we pull data and we'll talk about the specific KPI, but I want to make sure this is a very important point. Turn on Google Analytics, 
and also turn on Google Search Console. Google Search Console is the dashboard into Google itself for your website. When those two are connected, then we can gather the most important uh, KPIs and metrics from Google itself if you're, if you're fighting for organic traffic. So let's talk about the KPIs that those two platforms will give you. And I look at it this way. Google Analytics and Search Console are what already happened, meaning I've had traffic to my site and now Google tells you, hey, these are the keywords that, uh, this is how many times I advertised your site and these are the keywords that people came in to your site and this is what they clicked on. So the, the very first and most important one that we look at is Google impression rate. And you get that data within Google Search Console. That is the amount of times that Google advertised your site in Google when a user searched for a particular search term. The reason that's important is because that's what you're hunting for. The reason you do organic, uh, organic um, SEO is to increase the impression rate in Google. Secondary to that is, are people, Google is advertising it, but are people clicking on the ad? So th that's the second part of that is, it, was this valuable enough? Was this piece of content, was this meta description valuable enough for somebody to actually want to click on it and read my piece of content? If not, you know, you have a little bit of work to do. So those are, the, those are, the, those are non-negotiables from our standpoint. Impression rate, click-through rate, and then analytics will tell you what the user did on your site. After, after you got them to click over, how long did they spend on the page, your bounce rate, and, and the things that analytics gives you by default already. So I would say if you do nothing else, turn on analytics, search console, look at your impression rate, and then watch what happens to your click-through rate and your dwell time, which is bounce rate, basically. Or not, not bounce rate, it's dwell time, how long they spend on your page. And those numbers, we should be trying to get those to go up, what, weekly? Would you suggest we look at that weekly? I don't know if daily, that seems like a little too much, wouldn't you agree? Right. We, we have customers that look at it weekly uh, because they depend on leads organically, and that'll depend on your industry. Um, so it, it depends on, on you know, how, how much time you want to spend looking at metrics. Monthly is usually okay. Mm -hmm. um, and you do want to grow impression rate, but impression rate for impression rate's sake is, is pointless. You want to make sure that the impression rate for a particular key phrase that you know is valuable to your company is growing. So if it's demand generation, to your point, then you want to make sure that you look at the impression rate for the keyword demand generation and what page is getting those impressions, and then do everything humanly possible to increase the click-through rate to that page. You Got know, it. it be valuable, right? Right. Click-through rate being the signal that Google is looking for that I found what I was looking for, and I'm interested in more, and this is a valuable page. Correct. Yeah. And, and you'll know that you're a number one position usually, um, you know, just from, from looking at the data standpoint, when your click rate somewhere between, you know, 20 to 40% uh, from, it, from an impression rate standpoint, that's a number one entry. So mm -hmm. any, it, when you start seeing a page that's getting or a keyword that's getting about 15% or above, you're sitting at the first page of Google and probably in top, in a top five slot. Well, I mean, maybe not technically, but you're at least signaling them that you have a high performing page. So you, you have the potential to be ranking highly. You may not be ranking highly yet, right? Right, right. Exactly right. right. But Google will take notice because CTR is one of the rank factors. So, but however, what you are telling Google and what Google is noticing is that it is a highly relevant advertisement. Right. Right. I'm just curious, how long does, so let's say I had a page that was converting at 1% and I made some changes to it and now it's converting at 20%. How, how long is it going to take Google to notice and move me from, you know, the 10th page to the first page? So there's actually been some, some big data studies on that and, and all things being equal, when you publish a blog post and assuming it's, worth, it's worthy of being on page one, 
the normal delta, the time it takes to go from, you know, not even being seen by Google to getting the first page is about four months. That, that, and there's a lot of other 200 rank factors that could affect that particular metric. Four months is about the average. If you have a, a website that has a lot of data historically and it's a good website and the page is, is worthy of being there, we've seen them get to the first page of Google within two to three months. Sometimes mm -hmm. faster if it's got a decent backlink already or you know, you've done something that's super worthy, but the click-through rate to a large, and the, and the amount of time that people spend on the page has a lot to do with it getting to the first page. Got it. Good. That was really helpful. So the last thing I want to talk about is technology. I mean, you talked a lot about Google Search Console and Google Analytics, but what, what other tools are there out there that we should be considering to uh, get all the analytics we need? But, but more importantly, I find that the big um, uh, split is, is not, you know, getting the data or being able to look at the data, but being able to get insights from that data and knowing what to do as a result of those insights. So what, what tools or technology or software do you think might be helpful in, in uh, having people with less experience than you, you know, have the analytics and, and get some insight and be able to take the appropriate action? Sure. So I would say the easiest way to do it, um, if, you're not, uh, if you're not a technologist per se, is analytics will give you insights now that they've improved the product. Google Analytics, in my opinion, is, is the best piece of software available because it's also free and it's also an enterprise level. You can take it as far as you want. It, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter the size of your company. You have something that should cost $100,000 a month from a tool standpoint, right? And they, they started, as they've improved the product, they've started providing insights of, you know, for example, they'll give you uh, metrics now without you asking for it to say, hey, you had an increase in financial services awareness, you know, people that are in the financial services industry, for example, an increase in leads from that particular market. You may want to look at, you know, potentially producing content for that. So, so I would say as a, as a baseline, Google Analytics, some of the tools that we use when we discuss um, SEO to understand your keyword densities, um, what pages are producing traffic, and do some gap analysis when you do want to do a skyscraper technique, for example, is SEMrush. Uh, SEMrush.com, is, is, it's a great tool. It's a, sort of an industry standard that we use, and we use it pretty heavily for a lot of the research that we do. Um, getting a little bit more technical, if uh, page structure and site structure is, is, a, is a very important thing to make sure that you're getting good organic traffic as well. And we use a tool called Screaming Frog out of UK um, to, to generate Excel sheets of structural issues. I, it, that's a, and I think that's sort of order of difficulty, right? Analytics is the easiest one to put in and you get a tremendous amount of super valuable data. And, and once you play with the platform a little bit, you'll get much better at making better strategic decisions with your website. SEM Rush would be the next little bit more difficult tool to use. However, it's extremely valuable for content marketers uh, and agencies and a company that cares a lot about organic. And then Screaming Frog from a very, very technical standpoint uh, that you want to make sure that you maintain the traffic that you have, um, assuming you have a larger organization, a larger website. Franco, thank you so much. That was really great advice. And I most appreciate that it was primarily in English so that uh, someone like me who's not... <laughs> an SEO guru or even really very technical can kind of understand what your the guidance you're providing. So thank you for joining us. Uh, in this episode, we talked about the awareness stage and specifically search engine optimization as a, a tactic in a stage. In our next episode, 
Uh, I want to make sure that you guys plan on joining me when we talk about the educational stage. And our guest is going to be Matt Hines from Hines Marketing. And we're going to talk to Matt about how we can move prospects proactively through the early stages of the buyer journey, like awareness, education, and consideration to produce more leads and more sales opportunities for the sales team. So Franco, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Enjoy that. And uh, we're looking forward to having everybody join us again for the next episode. Let's go out and smash your funnel. Thank you so much for joining.